No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where a great multitude of Philistines gather against Israel to go to war. The people panic, and Saul foolishly offers a sacrifice without Samuel. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 13 on Simply the Bible. This morning I read of a Category 4 hurricane on a path to hit the Florida coast. Storm clouds form, winds blow, rain comes down. We may be able to predict the weather, but we can't control it. Likewise, we can observe certain human behavior and know that it forewarns of trouble ahead. That is exactly what we see in King Saul. He started off well, but soon he began to sow the seeds of his own demise. We pick it up in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. When Jabesh-Gilead was in trouble, Saul mustered an army of over 300,000, Now he sent them home, except for 3,000 who remained as his standing army. And he divided these between he and his son, Jonathan. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Saul's true colors began to show through. His son, Jonathan, was a courageous warrior, and he attacked the Philistine post at Geba. But it was Saul who blew his own trumpet throughout the land. Word spread that Saul had attacked the Philistine garrison. Saul had a taste of glory from his first victory over the Philistines, but now he was taking to himself the glory that belonged to his son, Jonathan, and to God. Pride is the subtle and constant enemy that we all face, and yielding to it foreshadows personal disaster. It was an omen of a coming storm in the life of Saul. Understanding that the attack against the Philistine garrison drew enemy hostility, many people came to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand which is on the seashore in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger... For the people were distressed. Then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits. And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him 
trembling. The Philistines had a formidable army that they assembled of 30,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and soldiers as innumerable as the sand of the seashore. No doubt the hearts of the men of Israel melted with fear. So they ran away, hiding any place they could find. Some even crossed over the Jordan River to escape this mighty army. The 600 men who remained with Saul trembled with fear. Things looked pretty dismal for Saul and his army. Then he waited seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, Bring a burnt offering and peace offerings here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Earlier, Samuel arranged with Saul for him to wait seven days until he arrived. When the seventh day came, there was no sign of Samuel. So Saul panicked and he presumed. He was afraid that his army was vanishing before his eyes. So he presumed to offer the sacrifices himself, thinking that this would help him. His offering was motivated more by superstition than by sincere worship, for he disobeyed God in doing what only the priest was allowed to do. Saul's pride now led to presumption. But as soon as he presented the offering, Samuel arrived. If only Saul would have waited one more hour. God often tests our patience, taking us right to the last minute with difficult circumstances and difficult people. He wants to teach us to wait upon him. And why not? For love is patient. Learning to wait expectantly upon God is also a demonstration of our faith. Has God not promised to work out all things for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Won't he make good on his promise? A.E. Wilder Smith was a professor, author, and lecturer who had a Ph.D. in chemistry and pharmacology. I had the privilege of hearing him speak on several occasions. Once he shared the story of Moses lifting up the bronze serpent in the wilderness from Numbers chapter 6. As you'll recall, the people complained against the Lord, so he sent fiery or poisonous serpents that bit many of the people, and they died. Dr. Smith made the point that whenever we become impatient, we get bit by the serpent. God has ordained that it is through faith and patience that we will inherit his promises. God would have raised up an everlasting dynasty for Saul, but he missed it by a few minutes. And Samuel said, what have you done? Saul said, when I saw that the people were scattered from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. People who are good at making excuses are seldom good at anything else. I sometimes think that if people would spend half the time doing something productive as they do inventing excuses, they would be very successful. Saul blamed the people for scattering from him. 
he blamed Samuel for not showing up on time. Then he blamed his own emotions. He felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Incidentally, I get weary of hearing people say that the Lord told them to do this or that, but it doesn't line up with the word of God. I wish they would just be more honest and admit that they felt compelled to do something rather than blaming their actions on God. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. By his pride and presumption, Saul lost the dynasty. Now the kingdom wouldn't pass to his descendants. God would have established his kingdom forever. Note that it is the Lord who establishes the kingdom. Apart from him, we can do nothing. God was now searching for a man after his own heart. David would be his choice. Why? Because David sought to know the heart of God. And that's the spirit that God seeks and blesses. It is that spirit that seeks to know God. It would be David's kingdom that God would establish forever. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah of Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Samuel was brokenhearted, for Saul proved to be an unworthy candidate. The people's choice of a king did not have a king's heart. Saul, Jonathan his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Ophrah, to the land of Shuel. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horon. And another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel. For the Philistines said, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites would go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for a sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the goads. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan his son. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. They had no blacksmiths in Israel. It cost them a pim to sharpen their plowshares, mattocks, forks, and axes. Now that was about two-thirds of a shekel, or the amount an average laborer would earn in two days. So it was very expensive to keep your farming tools sharp. The Philistines had effectively taken away the swords of Israel. Not only was the army of Israel severely outnumbered, they were only armed with clubs and farming tools and two swords, one for Saul and one for Jonathan. To say that they needed a miracle was an understatement. Now, we have been given the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. 
It is our offensive weapon against the attacks of the enemy. When Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he responded to each temptation by saying, it is written. Then he simply quoted scripture. How we need the sword of the word of God. But the enemy always seeks to snatch it from us. We have the Bible available in so many places, online, in hotel rooms, on our phones, and most every home has at least one Bible in it, and if you don't have one, you can get one at the thrift store for a buck. The sword of the word is ever available to us, but do we lay hold of it? Are we reading it? Are we meditating on it day and night? We spend time watching TV, movies, and sporting events. We read novels, magazines, and newspapers, and their electronic versions. But do we spend time feeding on the Word? My pastor read many books, but he said that on any given day before he read any other book, he first read the Bible. We must not let the enemy take away our sword. It is our great weapon against Satan's devices. Saul's pride and presumption cost him his dynasty and laid the groundwork for him losing the kingdom. What do our actions predict? If you continue to do the same things you've done this past week, where will you be a year from now? Storms are coming. But only those who take refuge in Christ, the solid rock, will survive them. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow we'll see where Jonathan brings a great victory for Israel against the Philistines when he reasons that God can deliver with just a few people. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 1 Samuel on Simply the Bible. Simply the Bible.